and welcome back to 180 with Lorna. I have a question. So how do we stop bleeding on people? I was on a trip to Washington, D.C. with my youth group back in the early 2000s, and we were marching for affirmative action, and we took a Greyhound bus from the south side of Chicago all the way to Washington, D.C., and as we were on that Greyhound, I remember that there was something sticking out, and somehow I cut my finger. And my natural reaction was to shake my hand because my finger was in so much pain, not realizing that my blood was splattering on my friend that was sitting in that direction that I was shaking my finger. There is a saying of hurt people, hurt people. But how do we stop the bleeding from the hurt and not get it on someone? I believe it's by forgiving ourselves. Can you forgive yourself? I did a quick search on uh, Amazon this week and I came up with over 12,000 hits on the subject of self-forgiveness. Yet the interesting thing is that the Bible has absolutely no mention of it at all. There are no verses telling us that we need to forgive ourselves. Sure, there's the second great command, which is love your neighbor as yourself. But it implies self-love and self-care. And yet, the whole of the biblical message seems to be deny yourself, to focus on God and others, and to practice humility. Not by thinking less of yourself, though, but by thinking of yourself. But don't we often struggle with something like self-forgiveness? We've all had those moments. I've shared with you guys in my episode previously that I deal with unforgiveness towards myself. I deal with shame and guilt. But everyone, I'm sure, has experienced a time when we've absolutely cringed over what we've said or didn't say or did or didn't do. We know we were wrong, yet... We've talked to God about it, we've admitted it, we've confessed it, and received God's forgiveness. But somehow yet, sometimes something still lingers on in our conscience, casting blame deep down inside of us, telling us that we're worthless, that we no longer matter to God, that he really hasn't forgiven us, he's not going to forgive us. We know we're forgiven because those are the songs we sing, those are the verses we memorize but yet we still punish ourselves how will we ever find forgiveness today i was looking at the second half of uh peter's story in john of uh, betrayal and forgiveness and though the story begins right after jesus arrest peter follows at a distance and he finds himself at the outer courtyard of the jewish high priest And after all of his previous saying, yes, I love you, Jesus, and yes, I'll stay with you till death, Peter now finds himself doing exactly what Jesus predicted he would do. And when asked if he knows this Jesus who was on trial, Peter takes the safe way out and denies knowing his Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. And then the rooster crows and Peter catches Jesus's glance from across the courtyard 
And Peter remembers. His failure must have overwhelmed him. It had to have. He had to have contemplated of how he was like Judas and how he had betrayed his Lord. We don't see much of Peter in the scripture for the next couple of days. And I'm just presuming that his guilt kept him away. He was struggling with himself mentally. He was trying to fight all the things that the enemy was putting in his mind that he wasn't good enough that he was a liar that he he killed Jesus that he did it it's his fault and he is conspicuously absent at the cross along with most of the other disciples only the apostle John and Mary the mother of Jesus and some other women had stayed by Jesus side and so on Sunday morning, that first Easter, it looked like Peter is back along with John, and they're racing to the tomb after Mary Magdalene had announced it was empty. Now, fast forward a week later. Jesus had appeared to the disciples, but not to Peter individually. Now, Jesus shows up as a stranger on the coastline, throwing out some unsolicited advice to these expert fishermen. And his guidance leads to an enormous catch in John, which I'm going to read soon. It notes that it was 153 large fish. John identifies the stranger as Jesus, at which point the always impulsive Peter dives in and swims to shore. After breakfast, Peter and Jesus have a little one-on-one where Jesus questions Peter's devotion to him. And Peter answers in, in just like this firm way which um, I don't know if you guys know him, but William Swartley, he describes this discussion as both gut-wrenching and soul-redeeming, a story of God's graciousness and Jesus' forgiving love. Because this is how Jesus sets the stage. And after I read this, I'm going to read the scripture, and I want you guys to take note. Three denials before, and now three questions of Peter's love. A charcoal fire in the servant's area of the high priest and a charcoal fire on the seashore. There's only two occurrences of where they make the Bible makes mention of a charcoal fire in scripture. Um, it kind of makes me think that Jesus might have been trying to make a point. He brought Peter right back to the setting of the betrayal. But this time it's with an important twist. As Peter affirms his love, Jesus challenges him to serve. True love acts and true love serves. The message to Peter was unmistakable. Not only do I forgive you, Jesus says, but I have an important work for you to do. The time for pity parties is over. Get off the bench and get back in the game is basically what Jesus told him, right? Jesus told this to Peter. So Jesus restores Peter to his team. Now here's the verse that I'm going off of. And like I told you, it is in John 21, 7 through 22. It says, Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore 
It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had already asked him this for the third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you will not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So, so often we carry, we're carrying this guilt, we're carrying this shame, we're carrying all this stuff that we just cannot forgive ourselves. And yet we know that God is saying, I've forgiven you. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're, you're this, you're that. And I think about how Peter must have felt, if, how much guilt he must have had, and how much he, he had to sit there and process this all the time. You know, I look at my dad, and I look at him as this huge figure in my life. But Peter, he denied Jesus. Jesus, the person whom all Christians serve as, as God, as Lord of their life, that like he's huge, right? And so he denied this, this man, the God, the God who he served with, the God he walked with, the God he ate with, the God that, you know, he went to, the one that poured into him, the one that taught Peter, the one that loved Peter, the one that ate with Peter, the one that clothed Peter, the one that gave Peter somewhere to live. And yet Peter decided to deny him because he couldn't handle the pressure. And so I'm sure all those days that he was missing, he wasn't just not on scene, but I'm sure it was a huge contemplation. It was a huge battle. I could only imagine And so today, my friend, I want to encourage you that no matter what it is that you think you caused, that you think you're guilty of, that you think you didn't do right or think that this or whatever it may be, whatever the unforgiveness that you have towards yourself, whether it was someone's lie to you that you now you now are believing so that now you're you're feeling guilty. Now you feel like it's your fault. I just want to reassure you with something. No one, no one, and I say no one because if 
God himself doesn't hold it against us, then nobody else can. Jesus came back after uh, Peter had denied Jesus, yet Jesus came back and still put him back in the same setting as the night he denied him and still asked him the three questions. Do you love me? And each time Peter said, you know this, you know this. Do you love me? And he said, well, if you love me, then you feed my sheep. If you love me, then you'll follow me. If you love me, then you do as I did. So that kind of love showed that love serves and love acts. And so for that reason, I want to encourage you to stop bleeding on people. Stop bleeding on people and stop letting letting this wound eat at you. Because if you bleed too long, it's going to get infected. And when it gets infected, it's going to cause even more trouble. So I want to encourage you today, my friends, all my 180ers, you're doing a turn. You're pivoting. You're healed. You're going to be healed. We're turning to our healing. We're making a 180 to our healing. We're making a 180 to our self-forgiveness. We're making a 180 that we're going to love. We're making a 180 that we're going to serve. We're making a 180 that we're no longer going to bleed on people because we're no longer going to let ourselves bleed. We're not going to hurt any longer. So I'm leaving this here till next week. But thank you again for listening. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook, Lorna Suttles, or Instagram, Lorna.Suttles. And once again, help me help you as we are on this journey together doing a 180. I love you all, and I pray you all have a great day.